Welcome to the 10 for 2 Guy Show. We're your hosts, Dean and Holgate. On today's episode, we have the first of many for a 10 for 2 Guys episode. We have our first guest. Um, our guest speaker today, he is a, a camp legend, to say the least. He's the Dean of Army in 1986 and Oregon in 1987, Gray Chief in 1987 and 1988. Uh, welcome to the 10 for 2 Guys episode, Mr. Bob Waldstein. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, so let's yeah. just get into it. Uh, you came to camp in 1975, right? Correct. Your your yeah. trivia continues to astound me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how'd you kind of find Manitou? Like, how'd you get into the cult culture? Like, how'd you get into the camp? My dad actually went to Manitou for a summer. Um, I mean, Manitou was a very Jewish-centric camp when I was... I'm sorry, Newton-centric camp uh, when I was growing up. So... Uh, you know, I would say 70% of the people were from Newton, but I was from a different part of Newton. Um, I actually went to a different camp, a family camp, uh, Camp Wakila. Um, it was, we were family friends with the family that owned it when all the, it must have been a girls' camp at the time because when all the boys got old enough to go to camp, we all went to Manitou. So in a 115 person camp, we probably had seven or eight people uh, that were from our Wakila family camp. Wow. So was that like a day camp uh, back in Newton, or what was the deal? No, no. That? Camp Wakila is a camp that's right near Manitou. It was founded. Oh. I know it has a very uh, Native American-sounding name, but the, the name is it's actually W-E-E for Ween, Kevin for Kevin, K-E for Kevin, L-A for Larry, and it was the... Uh, the founder of it, his grandchildren went to Manitou with me. In fact, he used to come by when he was in his 80s or 90s. He would come up on visiting day, and he would always pull me aside to remind me that if he, if I was working for him, he would have would have fired me. Um, <laughs> but uh, in fact, I, I saw him. I was at his. It was a Thanksgiving, um, and he had to be pretty close to 100 at the. So, so probably in the 80s. I mean, he was probably 65. He just seemed 80 or 90. But I saw him when he was pretty close to 100, and he still reminded me that he would fired me. So, <laughs> um, but it was a, it was a, it was a nice group, and um, you know, uh, I'm glad that I'm glad it was Manitou we chose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, going back to those early years, what what was Bob Wallstein like as an early camper? Like, when when did Waldo start? Like, tell us about your early um, well, years. Every, everyone in 70s camp had a nickname. Apparently, uh, most of these nicknames are, we can't repeat now anymore. Um, most of them are would be considered bullying or fat shaming or whatever it was. Um, but uh, uh, Bob Marcus um, uh, started calling me Wally in 75, Big Wally, um, because he said I had a very large head. And then Waldo just emerged after, shortly after that. But you know, everyone had a had a nickname, and that's what they were known by in those camps. And I was a very well-behaved young man, and um, very clean, very neat, very courteous of others. Um, someone that uh, never wet his bed, um, showed up on time for meals, never early, never the first one there to steal all the good cereal and. Uh, you know, uh, not much has changed. Uh, 
So I guess let's talk a little bit about like the dean section, like dean process when you were a dean in the eighties. Like how how was it different compared to how it is today? Like did you get to pick the teams that you were the dean of, or did they sort of tell you you were going to be Oregon and Army? Oh no, we we got to we got to pick the teams. That was always um, I think in the very early. Actually, they did. They always pick teams. Um, that it was never the teams never. There was no reason to assign teams. There was no. There's no board for them. It's not like experience camps where you're told what team. Um, the first year um, we found out we were deans was the first night of camp. Um, Bobby Marcus took me out. I thought he was, you know, pulled me out of, uh, you know, whatever. I'm not sure where my bunk was, but I assumed that I had done something wrong and it was tell me I was a dean. I was very happy. Um, and, uh, you know, because again, we didn't. Up until very recently, you didn't find out, um, you know, until recently, you didn't even find out until the campers got there. And then I think, I don't know, I would say, I'm trying to think when they start doing it before the campers got there. It was probably 20 years ago or so, um, maybe, a, maybe a little bit longer. But I certainly, I, I found out both years the, you know, the, first or second night of of college of um summer camp um we had us um the second year we didn't have a staff draft the first year we had a staff draft and after the first two picks the head counselor archansky uh threw us all out of the room and said that um we it was already too uneven and that he was going to do the rest of it um and again we didn't we back then we didn't you know, we didn't really fight for anything. I mean, we're afraid of these guys. Like, I mean, Joel would hit you if you talk back to him. Art would throw a punch at you. I mean, it was, you know, it was, everything was precarious. Um, in terms of picking teams, the second year, I asked to do Texas Christian, which Joel said no. Uh, I'm sorry, no, the first year I, before I did all, it was as to Texas Christian and Joel said no. Then I asked to do, um, what was, oh, uh, UCSC and Joel said no. And he didn't say no. He just got on. He had to speak the little microphone in his hand and he called Wayne Pass to the office basically telling me that if I didn't, you know, succumb and stop screwing around, um, that he was just going to pull my deanship from me, which... He wow. could have done at that point, and you know it was it, it was it was a different different camp then. Um, the I mean, college league was still big. It was something I, I knew I wanted to do from um, the time I was nine years old on my my first team. Um, uh, Cincinnati, uh, Michael Cowan's uncle, uh, Raz Rifkin. Um, there were a lot of reasons, you know, why I shouldn't have liked that team. Um, we sophomores we never won any games uh we were pretty lousy um raz i don't remember being the most inspirational dean i remember him throwing a lot of f-bombs at us and quitting the team at one point because he told us we're all losers and would always be losers um but uh something about that team i, I really liked the concept of being part of something bigger and was always a, knew I wanted to be a dean at that point, and there were others like me. I think the big difference now is where in nineteen in seventies camp I was kind of an anomaly that there you know there was a group of people eighties camp same thing that wanted to be deans, but 
you know, that really wanted to be deans, but there weren't that many of us. Where now, it's just there's so many of you, and there's um, so many people that buy into college. When, when do you think where, that really started to change? Because even I would say from the time I came to camp, I'd say the culture or the amount of people who are just like hardcore college people has grown exponentially. So I can only imagine. Um, it, it's been, I mean, I think it's been very gradual, but there are certain things um, that that you, you really kind of see in it. Um, I think the, the first one was when we switched it from 35 points on Pres Night to 60 points on Pres Night, um, which was a change that I rebelled very much against when I was dean. I, I thought it was going to ruin college, like turn into a, you know, a singing competition and just delegitimize the athletic part and um you know what what it really did was obviously it just it just kept more teams in it um and when more teams ran especially going to press night the press nights got better and then as as camp continued to grow um you know we you know you know i, I think the college league got better and better so when i was a camper um i like color war much better than college league even though i i love certain aspects of college league and competition wise when i was a 13 14 year old in college league i had to play with 16 year olds as a 13 year old playing 16 year olds wasn't very fun um especially in that camp uh i was you know pitching against phil silverman who was a, a big cit um it was you know my coach told me to walk him i bounce Garrett Schwartz style I bounced the pitch you know three feet ahead in front of the plate and um Phil you know put his bat down pointed at me and told me to pitch him a strike or he was going to beat the crap out of me and you know I knew there was no one in that camp that was going to be able to protect me at that point and so I pitched and I'm sure he smacked the ball out of the park um in uh but I think as camp got bigger and we started playing with our with our own age groups, it, it became um, uh, college league became you know better. Um, I think the the '90s crew we saw also we, we started seeing better games. So like I think starting in '86 um, was my first year was four former campers. '88 was four former campers. Um, 89 was uh, three former campers and really, it was really four former campers, um, you know, because David Laurie just ran, there was no even conception that, that Simon Ashmore was the dean of, you know, St. John's, you know, it was David Laurie's team. Um, and then, you know, you know, starting in that, we had that big run in, in the, uh, in the mid '90s, where it was all former campers, and, and well, three in '94, four in '95, four in '96, uh, four in '97, three in '98, and that was, you know, I think really bred a lot of the, the college league people we have. Uh, Dave Schiff and John Darren don't get enough um, credit for what, what they did. I mean, their their college league um, was the first college league that I ever remember really. Um, captivating the entire camp for the summer usually what you found in those college leagues like in the 93 which was 
I think when we really kind of turned from a color war camp into a college league camp, um, and it was almost a five-week color war between UCAL and Seton Hall, both, the, you know, which flip-flopped between first all summer, both had incredibly popular deans that were, you know, just the, the two big honchos of, of their era. Um, but you still had two teams that were completely, completely out of it and kind of alienated from the process where I think in 95, um, yet all four teams were, you know, just like this was, you know, thing this is the greatest college league ever. Same thing with 96. Wait, am I um, crazy? Or is 95 of the year, wasn't Georgia, they were sort of Wyoming where they were in first place for all of first session. <laughs> Go into Fresno um, night, win three things on Fresno night, and still finish in third place. Uh, yes, except Wyoming didn't win three things on Fresno night. Um, yeah, 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 they were they were they were in, in first. Um, I mean, again, it was it was it was a different game, and Joel was a different. Um, he, you didn't you didn't go after Joel like you know like like it, and you just kind of accepted it was going to happen. I mean, when I when I was dean, Joel added an extra loop, a baseball loop, after the final loop. And like, you know, that's the margin I lost college league by, and there was no, we couldn't complain. I mean, I mean, even Florida, you know, was that's just what it was. But yeah, no, that, it, but it, but again, it wasn't a um, that was that was that year. They were there was just such joy in the college league that they didn't they didn't think that way. Like it wasn't. Like if you ask, you know, like John Darren and Dave Schiff, like the story of their college league, they wouldn't. That's not how they would define Georgia. And that's how retroactively I define Georgia, because I think it's such a, you know, interesting kind of period piece to say, look, this is, you know, that if that happened now, I mean, people would be going bananas, which yeah, they they might have, you know, um, but that back then, I mean, that happened all the time. I mean, you know. Uh, I mean, Memphis, I mean, was up big at one point. They, you know, change over. Um, Marshall was up well over, you know, 100 points at one point. And they ended up in third winning something on Fresno. Um, the, that, that happened all the time. And, and again, you got you to remember, think of how hard it would be to move from, to move that far back in second session because you only had four loops in second session. And they're four fifty-point loops, four sixty-point loops. So, like, you know, like like now, like for us, we have five hundred-point loops. Like, even even compared to like the first year I did it with Philly, which was four seventy-point loops. So it's two hundred eighty points you could get. Now you can get five hundred. So it can really, you know, I'm surprised it doesn't happen. You know, more often um, that that you have teams. So just you know slide away in second i mean i think that's almost a testament though to how the quality of college people because i haven't really seen a team in a long time that i wouldn't classify as like a great team like even wyoming this year came last but you had a lot of careful with your words here a lot of really good people making that team a great team and i can say from having kids in my bunk who were in wyoming then traditionally had been on what would be traditionally considered like great college league teams and they were passionately bought into Wyoming in a way that I hadn't seen a lot of them bought in, in the last three years. Oh. Um, Wyoming was an awesome team. I mean, again, like you're, <laughs> what place you come in is in some ways it's so random. Like it, it, there's so many kind of, and, and insignificant. I mean, this is, 
the reason College League is great is because of the, it's just this incredible team building platform, and Wyoming unquestionably aced every aspect of that. That's you know, and I, I felt that way about them. You know, you know, two loops in the changeover when I when I realized that they were like it was like. Holy crap! I mean, I, I really screwed up these sophomores, um, and and I I was like, oh my god, this this team is you know, I don't I don't see where they're going to get their points if their sophomores are going to go, you know, one and five or you know whatever they they went where where they're going to be able to um, you know stay competitive. I didn't think necessarily they would get eliminated, but I you know it was pretty tough going from. You know, first by twenty points to or whatever they were up by. Out of it by like one hundred and seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it, it's it's tough, but you know, whatever the you know the ice man give it, he take it away. I mean, there was, you know, I mean that that first session. I mean, I mean, how many times did uh, Wyoming play uh, Loyola's? You know, soft as puppy do, uh, low intermediates. Uh, All five times. <laughs> Yeah, six times actually. If you count the hockey and, and basketball. Yeah, we had a, we had a I mean, we had a... how many how many times did um, uh, you know you play, you know whatever Georgia's you know high intermediates like they you know whatever. So yeah. it, it all it all kind of comes around. But no, Wyoming was incredible, and I think they they showed it on Fresno. I mean that was you know I think when when you have to remember anything from the you know, 2021 college league or press night, I think the the main thing, at least that I took away from it, is the emotion that you saw from Wyoming, you know, during and after the Alma. And, you know, I don't, I've seen a lot of teams, you know, post scores. I don't ever seen, remember a team that wasn't the late that was as happy as they were. Um, I mean, it's, it's, Right on the, you know, kind of on the same level as Brooklyn, but there was a, a you know, maybe a, a little bit more, a little bit more jubilation, a little uh, than, than, than on Brooklyn. But those were the two teams I remember being, you know, teams in loss that were, were happiest. I mean, yeah, definitely at least on Wyoming, it felt like we were the dream killers for Georgia. Um, it was fun to be just to be in the moment. Um, I think a lot of us also wanted Loyola to win at that time. So we had that going for us. And then obviously we just wanted to have fun with it. I mean, winning something alone, at least for that collective staff, it was crazy because we spent a majority of that summer kind of being told that we didn't know what we were doing by like campers and stuff like that. So when it got to the score reading and we heard first in the AMA, tied for second in the skit, um, second in the chair, all that kind of stuff like that, it brought our spirits up like crazy because I know we were all defeated, especially after going out the day before. Yeah, no, you got you guys performed incredibly. You're you're a great team. I mean, you know, like it's. I mean, I, I think the the beauty of college league, um, especially you know what what it's become is, you know, only twenty five percent of the teams are going to win. So you better have a plan for being successful as the other 75. And I, I think Wyoming uh, pulled that off uh, real, real well. And I, I definitely think another big thing that I realized from that league was that there are so many things in college league that you cannot control. And it's really hard, like, being counselors and, like, trying to manage that stuff. So 
I think one of the biggest things that I was proud of, at least on the team, is that we handled that stuff as well as we could have. And I think it, it showed pretty well. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Definitely, you know, could have could have taken very different directions. Um, but again, that's that's part of college. It's, it's what makes it, you know, so great. I mean, it's not always fair. It doesn't always come out the way you want it to or expect it to. But somehow, whatever, you know, whatever shared misery that you get only, you know, augments the whole team building part of it. Um, so whatever. I mean, if, if either of you guys can, can do as good of a job as Jared did and can run a team as strong as Wyoming, uh, you should be very happy with yourselves and your performance. Absolutely. Uh, should, should we hop back to the question list we have, Steen, or where do uh, we go from here? I'd say let's just talk about a little bit, just like historically, like in context, like what would be some of the best colleges you've ever seen, some of the best teams you've, like, just sort of go into this, like what's historical greatness perspective or like how would, say, like a Loyola, how would a Wyoming, how would uh, a Butler, how would a Notre Dame stack up as an all-time team compared to the great teams of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and 40 years ago? Well, it all depends on how you, you do it. I think you got to – you can't compare teams of this era to teams of other eras. Like, what's a pretty run-of-the-mill team for you? If you had to say just a – you know, just a good team, not great, not bad, just run-of-the-mill. I don't really want to say this because I don't want to insult the dean, but North Carolina State would pretty much – like. Okay. Like, All right, so they, let's 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 compare um, North Carolina State to let's say Alabama of '94 or Air Force of '90 of '99, whatever they were, whatever they were. If you kind of compare the meeting place that NC State had, you know, to what Air Force did or what Alabama did, it's no comparison. You're they're their meeting place was so much more. If you could compare the overall engagement that the campers and the staff had, there's no comparison between a nineties team and a team. Now just look at the look at the press night videos. When you start looking at press night videos of especially like the the ones on um, that detached go to, like you can see the um, I believe it's ninety six maybe, you see those whole press nights. And you just see, like, it just doesn't compare. The 2008 stuff doesn't compare. 2009 stuff doesn't compare. Like, if you were to sit there and say, oh, my God, NC State had a war room. They had a, they had a clubhouse where people went and hung out every night and all the deans were, did everything. I mean, all the coaches on NC State, a whole bunch of them, did stuff together all year. And all the these coaches and campers worked in their play together. That just puts them in a different stratosphere than any of the teams from 30 years ago or 20 years ago. But I think that, so, you know, I think when you want to look at great teams and great leagues, you got to compare to that era and what other people were doing. Um, and, you know, I would definitely put Air Force compared to what other teams did um, and the amount of preparation that Dan Satter underwent to be a dean. I mean, like Dan, like, you know, like before that, like deans, you know, just it just happened and you just did it. You didn't really give much thought. And, and literally Dan spent two years talking to every ex-dean and reading books on leadership to 
figure out how he wanted to run a team and, um, you know, really execute. I mean, Dan Burns on um, Alabama, I didn't really see um, Alabama or see that college league. Um, but uh, I, I know just from what Dan did as a color war chief and the stories I heard about him in Alabama, like no one before Dan approached it with, you know, just being that kind of methodical, treating it as a, you know, almost like as a business, you know, as a, it just wasn't something that used to be Dean's aspired to be Bobby Knight. We aspired to be Harris Weiner, who was a, a guy who always won from the seventies. We wanted to be, we wanted to be inspiration. Like we didn't want someone to come away thinking that we were, you know, the, you know, knew how to, build a team and run an organization. I mean, not that we didn't want people to think that, but we were much more concerned with, you know, that we think that, oh, we, our team won because we willed them to victory. Uh, so you almost thought of it more of a dean as being like a head coach of a, like, a football team instead of like a general manager, which is kind of what it's like now yeah, almost? Exactly, exactly. So like the, um, it was, you know, one, you didn't, you didn't have, like, even in, in 94, like, for Burns' team, I'm, I'm willing to bet that, that, that Dan did everything. Like, that was very much a one-man show. Maybe he had some of his campers in the room, with, you know, in the bunk and talk things over with them to make it feel, like, a little bit more, you know, invested. But it was still very one-man show. I mean, when I was a, when I was a chief, um, the first year I was a chief, I did every single lineup on my own as how how Uh, it was tough it was tough but i mean that's you know i you know the there there weren't a lot of very quantitative people there and and certainly not on my team i see anyone on my team that i trusted as much as swim and track relays which is really where you kind of won color war back then um you know to see that away i mean it was very, you know, very late nights. <laughs> that would be... I mean, I I can only imagine, like, Holgate, me, you, and Ethan have to, like, each individually do what the, collectively the three of us did this year. Yeah, be- I felt overworked, and we kind of split up pretty evenly. I couldn't even imagine doing that <laughs> all alone. Were you staying up to, like, 2 a.m. every night, or were you just not putting, like, as much thought as, as put into it now? Um, well, the, the, the games were easier because um, it was just a lot of stacking and throwing um, in, in the game. So you just figured out, like, you know, this, this is what I'm, what I'm going to do. And, the, you know, the track and swim stuff, again, it's a smaller camp. So you're, right. you're you know, i got a team of, of 100 people, so it's not as, as, as tough. But we didn't have computers. I'm not doing it all longhand. I mean, it's uh, – um, but, I mean, it, it's, it's – it's, you know, it's it's what I it's what I loved. It's what I what I longed for. Um, you know, when the you know I'm in a fantasy football league with some of the you know '90s lineup guys, um, and I remember telling them like, you know, when when I when I first started to um, you know kind of take take over from Joel um, that you know it was actually before that and that what I was trying to do was get you know get rid of all the stacks and throws and just change stuff around so they're not making lineups. And he said it's going to ruin college league. And his reasoning was, he said, why would a counselor want to come back if they don't get to do their favorite fantasy sport? And what it 
ended up being is once you took away the stacks and throws, then it became like, oh my God, we got a game plan. We got a coaching becomes important. Like we never, in 80s college and Cold War, you never thought the coaches were important. It was always, it was always, and even into 90s Cold War, it was, you looked at who was doing the lineups and that was the team, you know, whoever had the best lineup guy was probably going to and, you know, and then it got, you know, again, it was, an, it was an easier camp then because, you know, back then there were, there were two John Goldsteins in camp. Now there's, you know, a, a whole host of John Goldsteins. Like each team has John, Gold, John Goldstein, whole, John Goldstein, yeah. wanna, John Goldstein wannabes. Uh, yeah, no, it's, wow. just, <laughs> no it's, just a, it's a, it's, I mean, and, and whatever I, it's just a, the the culture of it is really increased. And I, I give a lot of credit to both of you. I mean, the first year they did the, um, the separate breakfast for the low sophomores, which... Um, oh, know, don't remind me. Oh, those were fun. Those <laughs> well, were fun. I mean, you know, it might not... I mean, my, I don't know what it was like for you guys, but I can tell you what it was like for me coming out of um, the morning meeting and, and having, you know, having breakfast with the low sophomores and just kind of seeing the, the two of you and Ethan um, just selling college league to these kids. And, you know, and also, I mean, I mean, Kobe Selinger, I mean, not quite as energetic as you guys, but literally always had like eight kids just hanging on him and his every word. And like, he's a, a hardcore college league. And if the counselors that are popular, and that have the relationships with the kids, they, they transfer their love of the league down to them. And, and I, I just think that um, that group, which I guess they're now going to be, there were 11-year-olds last summer, 10-11s, um, is now, a, you know, a, they're huge college league guys. And that's, you know, yeah. from so basically just, you guys. Yeah. I said, you just you look at my bunk, like, I think my bunk, I don't deserve all the credit for my bunk because I think, like, there's guys like Jack Baker who you could put Jack Baker in any bunk in any team ever and he would have bought into camp. But I think there's a lot of kids where, like, you look at my bunk and I would put my bunk as hardcore college league people up against any bunk in camp. I'll take my bunk for the passion they have up against any bunk and this thing with a lot of passion at camp. So, yeah, I do have to agree. It's going to be great to see what they do. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's blinky. It's already starting. It's fun to watch um, but, I, but I think we got that all all across camp. Yeah. I mean, you just realize that um, if you kind of look at um, the you know the deans everywhere, you you know you know the deans very well, and you see that there was a much greater diversity of deans heading into the you know well into the two thousand. So like, I think you know if you go from two thousand and three to 2009 or whatever, you know, I guess just a whole, I guess that whole decade, what, what percentage of the deans were non-former campers? Pretty high, wasn't it? Yeah, much, might be wrong much, high, much higher than it is now. 35, 40%. Not high at all then. <laughs> no, that's very high. 40%? I mean, in, in the, in the, this last, I mean, last nine years, it's been none. I think the last non-former camper dean was my first. Was Harry Roger at? Was my first year. So you had one Harry, you had Albert, who really doesn't count. Yeah. I mean, Albert, you know, came with Dan Wolfson, and 
you know, went to Skidmore and like whatever. He, he might as well be a camper. Like he's not, you know. But but Harry's certainly a, a non-former camper. Um, but you know, like he yeah, had two thousand three was what Marku and Kiwi, yeah. hardcore non-former campers. Two thousand four, Vellinger and might have to help me out here, John. Uh, that was uh, Vellinger. Uh... Smiley, Smiley, Friedman, and Mark Ash. Yeah, so two, you know, was was two. Two thousand five was uh, Vaughn. Was that Vaughn? No, two thousand five. Two thousand five was because that was yeah, I think that was Vaughn because that would have been Corrigan, yeah, Lad, Bam Vaughn, Bam, and Corrigan. Yeah, so it wasn't. I mean, we weren't doing this because we're like, oh, let's get a more diverse space. Just because we didn't have former campers. I mean, going back, anytime we've had former campers that were ready to be deans or even not that ready to be deans, we went former campers. I mean, there are obviously some, I mean, that were, I think would have, you know, you know, you know, got it, you know, got it and would have gotten over non-former, you know, over former campers. But, you know, the vast majority of, you know, the times we went non-former campers because we just didn't have former campers. Um, I mean, just, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, I, I used to call up every May and June. I'd be calling people up. You want to be a dean this year? You want to be a dean? And that's, you know, that's where we got our deans. Like, it, like we, you know, for that, they didn't even, they didn't, they didn't even think about it until they said, oh, who's, who's actually here? Um, you know, and, and that's when they that's when they figured everything out. Now we just have so many people that you know want to be deans. I mean, our whole program is college. Students. I mean, it, it's you know whatever. It's, it's it's a. I mean, it's a good problem to have. So, like, do you think there was like any specific college league where a lot of people like looked up to their deans, and be like, "I want to be a dean one day," or is it? Do you think it was just a cycle of so many campers loving college so much that just eventually all the deans and collective made it so like an entire generation of like campers well, just all wanted to be deans? I mean, I, I think you would you would sit there and say, "Oh yeah, that '95 college league," um, except that none of their campers ended up becoming deans. So it's like it. It's 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 hard to say. I, I mean, I, the guy the guys to me that that really that really sold it the best. Um, uh, Jordan Brzezanski, um, you know, Matt Bernstein, Seth Corkin, um, Dan Wolfson. I mean, I think I think those are the guys that kind of spawn the the Dan Stern, Josh Katz, um, Elijah Chef generation. And then, of and course, then, that generation uh, spawned people us, like us. And then we're going to yeah. lead to the next one. And I mean, you know, and then you just got, you got some stuff from outside of camp. I mean, like, um, you know, you know, where like kind of like the, the Kobe Bryant's of the athletic world, these guys that sit there and just preach hard work, you know, just said, look, we're, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to be successful because we're going to put more effort into this. And I think that kind of changed the whole culture of being, being deans like the Josh Katz, the Dan Stearns, the Nick Berman's. When you compare those to, you know, deans I loved and, and Matt Bernstein, um, uh, Jared Lee, not Jared Levy, uh, Michael Levy. Like these were, these were deans that didn't, 
take stuff all that seriously and did a wonderful job, but I mean, it wasn't, they didn't take it nearly as seriously as, as the, um, you know, as, as kind of like the Garrett's, the Nick Berman's, the, I mean, you guys know all the, the usual suspects there. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see like a lot of people are caring a lot more, at least at the Dean level. I mean, the fact that every year that there's always like six or seven candidates, it's like, it's gotten crazy. It's gotten seriously competitive and it's being cycled in through like all the classes, at least beneath us too, which I think is awesome. Oh, well, it's actually, it's, it's funny. One of the things that I've been, I've been incredibly critical of the CIT cab. I didn't like the big CIT cab. Interesting. Well, because Batoka did theirs before we did ours. So I got the, hear from all the Matoka people that they kind of thought it messed with their culture, um, that they were better off when they had, you know, 15 queens coming back for that 15-year-old year than when they had 40, 50, 60. That it's just if you have 50 CITs, they're no longer your leaders. They're just a, a big posse, and I kind of feel that we were, in terms of CIT leadership, we get more out of CITs if we had less of them and if they weren't as beholden to the physical structure of their cabin. But what that cabin has done is since we built it, we've just had monster JC class after monster JC class. I mean, every year is a new record. I mean, last year was a record. It broke the record from the previous year, which probably broke the record from the year before that. And, you know, going out, we're just going to continue to have these massive, massive JC classes. So, I mean, I mean last year we had 52 former campers in college. League. I expect more. I mean, because I mean, who, who are we losing? And we're going to get a whole massive bunk of, um, of, of J, you know, the last year's CITs. I, I think most of them are going to be coming back. So it, it has worked out very well, and I, I think it's the, the those crew really, you know, the, you know, those former campers um, add a lot to the culture of camp. Um, you know, you know, and, I, and I'll say this, and I've said it a million times that I don't think college league is what makes Manitou so uniquely special. I think it's one of the things. I think it's a contributing factor, but to me, the the thing that makes Manitou great is. The, that the counselors come back until they're, you know, for the most part, 20 years old, and the interest they take in their cabins, that, you know, it was, I was such an anomaly that I had the same cabin for three summers. Um, and there was no one in 80s camp that had the same cabin for three summers. Um, that's standard now. Like, and that's even... Three is even that there's plenty of four summer people. Um, and I, I think it's the relationship that you guys have with your campers and how much you care about your campers um, that really separates Manitou from the experience my friends, kids, and other camps get. There you go. Uh, Steen, you got any more uh, questions you can rattle off at the top of your head? Um, uh, I'm probably like minute college league, like random like why was harris weiner way more successful than alex weiner type questions but <laughs> okay, you can do that so the, here's here's um 
Oh Lord, we're gonna be here forever. <laughs> so, oh God, I could talk college for hours. Normal people out out there. Um, Harris Weiner and Alex, they came to camp. They went to Caribou originally. They came to Manitoba in 1971. Um, Harris won every single college league. He was a camper. He came in third place to JC because he was on Raz's team. And it's, you know, kind of like the, the clashing things there. It's, and then he, the next year, he won as a first coach. The year after that, he won as a dean. Then he took a year off, um, and then he came back and was a dean a second time. So he was in, what, seven, eight college leagues, won seven times, twice to dean. Both times he won on a on-pres night, which was rare back then. As a non-musical person, he won on pres night. The first time he did um, his alma, he just had a mini chorus up there. He only had 10 people sing the alma. He had the 10 people that, you know, again, the team's only 30 people there then, but he got the 10 kids that were the singers and they did green sleeves with multiple parts, not one. Um, and then on Bowdoin, which I was on, um, the very first day of college league, he gave us our fight song. There's the actual Bowdoin fight song. And every day before Luke, there were only 12 Lukes back then, we had to sing the fight song. And it sucked, and he would yell at us after we sang it because we weren't doing it well. And then by the end of the summer, it got pretty good. And then right before Presna, the day of Presna, he decided to switch it from our fight song to our cheer because he figured all we needed to do was win five points, and that would win us college league. So we switched to the cheer. We won the cheer and whatever won college league. Um, Alex, <laughs> on the other hand, um, was a um he was one of our last high school deans he was dean his second year um uh and came in fourth place by a lot of points they gave him a team the next year he came in fourth place and then he took a few years off and then they gave him a third team and he came in third place but but way way i was never never in contention but i was on michigan and I was on Harris's team. Um, the, I was on Bowden. So I went, I went from basically, I had both brothers. And to me, the, the difference, I mean, Harris never smiled. Um, he directed our play, the only play I was ever in, um, at least until uh, Spelling Bee. And um, he was screaming at me during the read-through because I lisped. He was like, can you do it without lisping? I was like, no, no, I have a, I have an FLP at home that they, they can't get me to do it. How, how am I going to do it? And he berated me, and then he actually made me switch parts to a, maybe play the old man, which was a smaller part. Which was, oh, my God. He, <laughs> oh, no, that um, person would get so fired today. Oh, there, there so, oh, there's so many things. The, the first softball game, he had this guy, Harry Rayfield, who was, um, you know, play all NESCAC pitcher for um, for Colby, great athlete, 16-year-old. He they, His theory was in softball that you want to put your best player at third base and he could take all the balls. And he put me as a 13-year-old who was a very good fielder, very good at intermediate softball, very, I don't want to compare myself to a Matt Albert, um, but that was the kind of, you know, um, not a great athlete, but a very good softball player. 
We have Matt Albert, friend of the show, by the way. Continue. The, uh, <laughs> first guy that gets up, hits a ground ball to me. I feel the cleanly, you know, take the, the little bunny hop over, throw it to first, and the guy's safe. Because all of a sudden, it's a 16-year-old. He's fast. You know, he can, you know, you got to throw the ball in the line. The next guy gets up, same exact thing. And at this point, I'm completely in shambles and Harris is screaming at me. But um, I will sit, sit there and say this about Harris is that um, he got me to try harder than I ever tried before. He got me to, um, to you know, to, to compete. I mean, he, I look back very fondly on him as a dean. I asked him a, a few years ago what his goal was as a dean. He just says he wanted to teach us grit. He wanted to make us tougher, and he did. Um, Alex was a very different kind of dean. Um, Alex was the first dean that I was ever became friends with. Um, he, I remember being up on diamond number three one afternoon where, you know, with him and Artie Flashman, a couple of my bunk mates in the team, writing the press. Like that was something that just none of my deans ever did. He talked to me. He was the first one that like made me feel part of things. And um, I think I like to think as a dean that I took more things from the um, Alex Weiner school. And I think Alex was very kind of ahead of his time that way. If I could compare Alex to a modern day dean, it'd be John Stepakoff. Um, uh, you know, I'm still not sure what my favorite team was, whether it was. Um, you know, Harris's Bowden, which won certainly the most epic team, or Alex's Michigan, which, you know, again, I, I thought was as a 15 year old, was just, uh, just incredible experience getting to hang out with all the cool guys. So, um, I hope that answered your question. Uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, we, we could obviously talk about this for hours and hours. Um, we probably should wrap it up though a little bit. Um, Waldo, is there any any last things you want to say to uh, the Manitou community as part of the podcast, or any last final words you want to give? Um, I, I would say you know I I know we're the the ten for two podcast, but you know make the most of these ten months. You know I mean enjoy yourselves, have fun, um, and you know whatever and look forward to seeing everybody back at the place we love so much in june and um look forward to seeing you guys in february <laughs> yeah yep absolutely all right. all right absolutely well i guess that wraps up our show for now um as always steen is there anything you want to close out on stay marvelous manito peace <laughs>